Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the 4Q podcast. I'm so happy you've landed here today. So before we jump in, I just wanted to remind some of you that we have some one-on-one consultations available if you're ready to do that. Please keep your eye out for Wild Ocean Co, our membership. So for those who want to have the tools to work on themselves at their own pace while connecting with other people doing the same and having a group of women who you can go, hey, you know, um, I, I brought this up to my husband and this was his response. Has anybody else had that? Or, you know, saying like, oh, I tried to implement this parenting strategy and I'm just, I'm finding like I'm so exhausted. Does anybody else feel like that? Like this is what this group is for. So not only do you get the tools to start implementing things in your mindset, relationships and parenting, but you'll also have a community of women to do that with. So keep, please keep your eye out for that because we are going to be relaunching Wild Ocean Co. membership, the second launch, very, very soon. For those who are listening at this time, which is, what is it, June 2021? And then, uh, of course, so we've got our one-on-one consults open again. We had them closed for a while, a Wild Ocean Co. membership. And, of course, our retreats, the Life Reset Retreat, is just something, it's sponsoring this episode because... It is going to be such an amazing time. This retreat, it's like hitting the pause and reset when you just are like, I'm lost, I'm unclear. I just don't know like my life anymore. It feels like life's controlling me instead of me controlling my life. Like I want to work on my mindset, I want to get it and I want it fast. It's like months worth of therapy in a weekend, right? So just come along check it out on our website. The cost is extremely reasonable because we are trying to get this thing happening for you. So we want to keep it, you know, uh, fresh for you so that we, you know, you can experience what it's going to be like before we uh, have it at our normal price. So please check that out at savasanacollective.com. And I'm not going to talk anymore. Let's get into the episode about perfectionism, episode 37 on perfectionism. Hey, I'm Sheena Shuey. I'm a registered social worker and host of the 4Q podcast. I'm passionate about normalizing, not pathologizing life, and that's not easy. So each episode, I have amazing guests on to share the messy, beautiful ups and downs of life in four key questions with tips and tricks along the way. There are moments in life where you can embrace your story and understand that it's okay not to feel okay sometimes. So let's get into it. This is the 4Q Podcast. Perfectionism. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what we're going to be talking about this episode. So if we follow our 4R formula, the reflect redefine, redesign, and realign. Let's get into reflecting on perfectionism. What is it? And, uh, you know, how it shows up. Because I think a, a lot of people have this idea of what perfectionism is. And, you know, it's almost like a buzzword now. So I feel like we need to do a deep dive into it a little bit. So let's look at the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of perfectionism. So let's 
redefine this and all get clear, get on the same page about perfectionism. Okay, so perfectionism is anything where you might be a bit obsessive, a bit over the top, a bit spend way too many hours, <laughs> made too much time, more time than needed or necessary doing something striving for a certain result or a certain idea or just, again, perfection, this can show up in many, many different forms. So it can show up as being a perfectionist when it comes to uh, your body. So, you know, wanting the perfect body, striving at the gym, eating perfectly, all of those sorts of things, everything that goes into having the perfect body. It can be about having the perfect house. So it's that perfectionism that can show up as cleaning, decluttering, constantly moving, changing, editing things. You know, it's constantly going and going and going. Um, And then again, perfectionism can show up in the workplace as like, you know, um, something that Uh, like let's say you've got a project at work or there's something that you're working on or maybe it's notes that you're typing up, something that should take maybe a short amount of time, you're finding yourself spending excessive amounts of time and there's sort of this drive about being the best or being perfect or being high achieving, like there's somewhat status tied into it as well. So what we know, like again, so you can see here that perfectionism can show up in just so many different forms. And these are just a few examples that I've touched on. And so what some of the research shows us is, I guess, one of the bad things that comes with perfectionism is that uh, it's societally rewarded. So Again, it's not bad to have a clean house. It's not bad to take care of your body. It's not bad to want to achieve at work. We're not saying that. But when it goes to the extreme, when your worth is tied into it, so if you don't achieve that thing, you feel unworthy. If you don't have things perfectly in order, you feel anxious. If you don't have things a certain way, it stresses you out and you can't connect with your loved ones. You can't relax. It's like it's all, it consumes you sort of thing. And you, excuse me, and you start to think about it more than what you should. You know, again, a task that might take two hours might take a perfectionist four hours because they're going over all the things and all the details or a simple task might turn into a complex task, you know, all those sorts of things. So like I said, one of the bad things about perfectionism is it is rewarded societally. So that worker who works over time, that works to the extreme to works and works and works and achieves high results because of that work, that perfectionism loop is then rewarded. So it's really hard to get someone to pull on the brakes because they're seeing the results of their work. Same with if it comes to if you want the perfect body, you're working so hard, you're training at the gym, you're eating like crazy and then people start commenting, wow, you look so great, wow, this, wow, that blah, blah, blah. You have so much discipline. Again, 
societally it's rewarded. You're getting, you know, your worth is getting tied up into this thing that you're trying to achieve. Same with, you know, having the perfect house, the perfect, you know, place. It's when people see it and they go, wow, like your place looks amazing. How do you do it? You know, again, it's being rewarded. And so you sort of get tied into this. And when we look at the core reasons around perfectionism, they do vary from person to person. But some of the themes we do see are just a lack of worthiness. You know, I'm not good enough unless I achieve X, Y, Z. So, you know, um, it it's that hard thing of I don't feel good enough, but hey, there's this one area of my life where people seem to give me praise and reward. So it might start off seemingly innocent, like maybe the workaholic, maybe they got like a little reward at work and it felt so good. They actually felt good enough and maybe they hadn't received that kind of praise before in their life. Maybe they didn't have a household that was very praising or anything. So when they get praise at work, it rewards that perfectionistic in uh, sort of instinct and they keep going. And you could see how that could be really toxic and people could take advantage of that, which is really sad. So there's that, there's that not feeling good enough for some people. For other people, it is the opposite in that they, it, it's not that they didn't get praise for achievement growing up. It's actually the opposite in that they only got praise for achievements. So for example, if you grew up in a household where you only got praise when you were achieving, so whether it's that, oh, you only got praise when you did well on your report card, you only got praise when you did well at sport, you only got praise when you, you know, tidied up or cleaned up or did your chores, you know, like it, it ends up teaching you that you're only worthy when you've achieved something. You're not worthy all the time, you know, that messaging. And so you've got type person A who never got uh, praise. And so when they start getting praise for a certain area, they start to get perfectionistic about it because it's tied into I'm not good enough. Then you've got the other person who, again, similar, but I'm not good enough because I only achieve praise when I've done something. I'm not worthy without achieving. I'm not worthy just as being a human being. Okay. And then there's another type of person who gets perfectionistic. And this is a person that I don't belong. You know, uh, we do see this a lot if you're a, a person from a minority. So whether you're uh, a person of color like myself, <laughs> whether you're a woman in the male industry, whether you're, you know, the token LGBTIQ plus A friend, you know, like you're the only one in your group who's got that minority, whatever the minority is, when you're sort of the token person or you're not in the majority, you're already stepping into situations sort of on the back foot, feeling like you're not belonging. Even if that's on an unconscious level, like maybe you don't see that consciously, but it's unconscious to you. So that is showing up for you 
And so when you step into these situations, there's this extra drive that you have to be extra good because again, there's like a proving yourself thing. And again, it's rewarded because if you're, you know, doing really well at work, doing really well in whatever situation it is that you're feeling, you know, insecure about being yourself, then you get rewarded because you're doing so well. So if, if we're getting rewarded, we're achieving things, it's making us feel good. What is the bad part about perfectionism, you say? Well, I hate to break it to you, but our research shows us that people who have perfectionistic traits, it's actually a risk factor for suicide. So we know that uh, perfectionism can lead to feelings of unworthiness and hopelessness and things like that. When you're trapped in a cycle and you don't know how to get out, that leads to hopelessness. And hopelessness is one of the key factors in predicting, you know, if somebody is at risk of suicide. So it has a dark side. Perfectionism does have a dark side. So it's societally rewarded, but it has this very dark side. So what, what the gist of it is, is about, it's not changing who you are. You know, if you generally are interested in work or working out or being healthy or taking care of your house, it's not going to the other extreme where you just neglect that area completely, but it's asking yourself, how can I just set boundaries around this in a healthy way so that, you know, I don't have to spend four hours on a document that I should spend two hours on, you know. Um, sometimes it's, if, if you don't know what a reasonable reasonable amount of effort and time is to put on something, it can be worth just having a casual conversation with somebody else in that same, you know, whether it's your workplace or, you know, if you're, uh, it's about your house or it's about your body, like somebody else who's interested in that, but you find isn't a perfectionist and just say, oh, look, I've got this like um, thing I'm going to do. How long do you reckon I should do that for? And just check it against yourself. You know, if they say, oh, it should take you two hours, but you were going to spend six hours on it, you know, try to see how much you can achieve in two hours. You know, um, if it's the gym, you know, how quickly should I see results or, you know, um, how often should I be working out? Uh, all of those sorts of things, you know, I think it's tricky because I do find the gym industry pushes perfection. <laughs> so it's very hard to untie this. And same with um, corporates, you know, they push perfection when it comes, they push workaholics, you know, there is a reward for being a workaholic in a lot of corporates. So there's a societal level to it. But what I'm getting at is that, A, you've got to find, well, let's go to the redesign. How do we address this? Redesigning your life so that we can address this. So it's fine. It's asking yourself, is my worth tied into this? You know, again, sometimes you can't see this for yourself. So you may need to chat with a coach or a therapist like myself around just exploring it a little bit more. Again, there could be some underlying triggers, some unresolved trauma, there's anxiety, stress, all of those things, your survival mechanisms. So, you know, fight or flight, freeze or fawn, 
There's a lot of mechanisms that could be kicking in. So why are you constantly in survival mode? What is triggering you to live out of survival mode, which pushes you to push hard, right? So it's untying that. And then it's also asking yourself, what's one small way I could cut a corner? You know, um, how can I cut a corner in this area and know that it's going to be okay? So, you know, it's saying to yourself, I'm going to cut a corner. I know it's going to feel uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, it's also, you know, saying, okay, I'm looking at this task. I know that I always tend to do things 10 out of 10 when it comes to this particular task. What would a nine out of 10 look like? Can I do this to a level eight out of 10? You know, and really asking yourself, are people really going to notice if I did this eight out of 10? Because most of the time when we work with perfectionists and they cut back on things, other people don't even notice. So they've built this thing up in their mind and it's definitely not the case, you know. So it's just remembering that as well. It's like, how can I bring this back? And then, of course, of course, like, again, we would cover this in coaching. And I think it's really important to do this with a a coach or a counselor. But getting to the root of what is important to you, what is your ideal lifestyle looking like? for you, you know, and how I'm acting, does that lean towards, towards the life that I'm creating towards the person I want to be? Or is it actually moving me away from the person I want to be away from the person, you know, the lifestyle, the ideal day, the ideal week I'm trying to have, you know, if you want to be someone who has great work-life balance, who, you know, invests in family and friendships, invests in yourself, you know, then how, you, uh, you know, your actions, are they aligned with that or are they not? You know, if your value is connection, if your value is empowerment, is this empowering you or is this not? Is this connecting you or disconnecting you? You know, it's um, it's really taking that bigger look, that bigger approach at things. And so realign is that how can I stay on track when I'm recovering from perfectionism? You know, I think a big part of it is realizing the societal structures that reward this behavior and trying to untangle that. And then also, you know, acknowledging like we do all love praise. You know, I, for my love language, I'm a words of affirmation person. So I tend to hold on to praise quite a lot. Um, And so if, you know, we all want that. So how can I have that without being a perfectionist? Or what areas, you know, reminding yourself that you are worthy in so many ways, you know, you are good enough in so many ways and really sort of asking yourself, you know, I think a lot of people have this gratitude practice of things that you're grateful for and it might be your bed or it might be, you know, the sunshine, the weather or my kids or whatever. But we don't often, what we don't often do is actually practice gratefulness for ourselves And that can be a really helpful practice for building self-worth, building self-esteem, being, building self-efficacy is saying to yourself, I am grateful that I'm a resilient person. 
I am grateful that I'm a loving person. I am grateful that I'm a reliable person, etc., etc. Like start to incorporate those gratefulness practice for yourself. Really start like noticing the good things in yourself. And again, I know I say this a lot, but for those new here or who haven't heard it, it is a practice. Every time you try a new strategy, it's a practice. You know, I I so often see people try things once or twice and it feels awkward and so they just give it up. And the thing is, it's like you've got to push through. You know, for those who aren't familiar, go to my post on my Instagram about what behavior change really looks like. Um, it's like a pink background with a with a diagram on it, and that will help you get an idea of whenever you try a new strategy or something new, you have to keep in mind that it does feel really awkward at first. It feels strange. It feels uncomfortable. You know, you're learning something new. You have to remember it's like driving that car. Like, I don't know if anyone remembers what it's like to learn how to drive a manual car or an automatic car, whatever. When you are first learning, it feels so awkward. But with time, with practice, it becomes natural. And I'm sure for those of you who do drive now, it's completely on autopilot. I'm sure you've actually driven home and forgotten how you got there. Like it is that ingrained in you. So remembering that if you're going to start practicing gratefulness, if you're going to start practicing cutting corners and practicing, you know, putting your self-worth first, it is awkward at first. It does feel uncomfortable, but knowing that ahead of time, it will make it easier. So just sort of, you've got to push through the first couple of weeks of feeling awkward and then you'll see the results. You go, oh my gosh, this is coming more natural now. This is part of my daily habits. This is great. You know, and you see the results and it just goes up exponentially But the critical time is making it through that little dip where it feels awkward and strange. So let me know if this episode has been helpful for you. I really hope it has. I would love to connect with you. Tell me, do you relate to perfectionism? Um, Procrastination is another thing of perfectionism that we didn't touch on today. But if you're interested in perfectionism and procrastination, send me a, a message on Instagram, email me, connect with me. You know, it's crazy being a podcaster because I see the numbers. Like after I, you know, a podcast comes out, I see these numbers of people listening, but I don't see who they are, what they are, you know, where they are, like who it could possibly be. So it's crazy to me that I've got this audience that, you know, like I've got you, you are here listening to me right now. And that time is so precious. You're giving your time and your energy to me. And I hope that these podcasts fill you up, make you feel like you're not alone, make you feel like we all have these things going on and it's not just us. You know, there's so many societal things that make us feel shit, quite frankly, and we need to reconnect and normalize feeling like shit sometimes because otherwise we're always going to blame ourselves and we need to start looking at, well, what's going on societally making us feel this way? And when we do that, it stops pathologizing us. You know, life can be hard sometimes. We don't need medication for that. We don't need to to make it out like we're broken somehow. Life is hard. 
it really is. And so I hope that these podcasts make you realize like if you're having a bad day or not, or maybe it's been a while since you felt bad because you're implementing some of the strategies that we've talked about. I really hope that whatever it is that you're getting from this, like I just appreciate you being here. And if there's something more that I could give for your journey, you know, I, I am being there. I am there. You know, there's parts of my life that are going great right now and there's parts that aren't. And that's life. <laughs> that's normal. You know, I think there's this false idea sometimes that therapists have their shit together completely 100% of the time. And it's like, no person does. But when we learn strategies, the right strategies, and we understand the dysfunction in the world, then we can go, okay, I understand what's happening for me. And what happens is, yeah, we still have shit times, but they don't last as long and they're not as often. You know, we start to be more picky about who do I let into my life? You notice toxic signs in others. You notice red flags in others. You know, as as I've said so often, as you take these knowledge and these strategies and you change, your circle changes, your life changes. And I'm just so happy and so excited to share that with you. You know, I think that's just so powerful. So again, if there's anything I can give you, if there's any podcast episodes you want to talk about, if you want to connect on some level, like please email, please send me a message on Instagram. That's kind of on social media land. That's my main hangout. I'd love to connect. So have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful day wherever you are, whatever time it is you're listening to this. You know, I so appreciate you and I want you to know that you're 100% worth this time. You're 100% worth putting in the time and effort in yourself. And I'm so glad that you're on this journey because even listening to this podcast, it means that you're doing something for you. You're trying to better yourself. And that's all we need in this world for a better world, right? Is people improving themselves. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for being here with me. And I'll see you next time on the 4Q podcast. Bye for now. We'll